I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Central Wigan Podcast. This is episode 23 and we are fresh off the back of Wigan Athletic 1, Watford 1 down at Vicarage Road. I actually really enjoyed watching that game. I thought we were brilliant and I would say great value for money, but we still have this wage issue, which obviously we'll talk about just before we get into the Watford game. Now, in the last episode before the game kicked off, we knew that Paul Kendrick from Wigan today had confirmed that the non-playing staff had been paid, yet the players didn't seem to have been paid their wages. And obviously, we know that it's the fourth time in nine months that this has been the case. Now, on Friday before we made the trip down to Vicarage Road, the story then broke on Wigan today that the players of the first team were offered a partial payment of their wages, which would have been paid that week, and then the rest would have been deferred until this week, possibly, maybe next. Kendrick then reported that the first team refused that offer and there was also a story that Alan Nixon broke which said that the top paid players refused and they wanted the younger players and obviously the lesser paid players, they wanted the money going to them instead. So instead of like a partial payment, I think they were offering up to about £5,000 of the wage, instead of this half payment going to the first team players, you know, get it down to the youth players so that they can pay their bills. But I haven't seen any official statement on that from Paul Kendrick or obviously not from the club. So that's um, one to keep in mind, but obviously I don't know how true it is. But as we know, after the Watford game, Sean Maloney and Mar Brannigan have boarded a plane. They've gone out to Bahrain. Allegedly, this was all scheduled anyway before the wage issue came about. But they've gone out to go and meet Al Jazmi and Talal Al Hamad, and they're going to go and talk through everything. So obviously, when there's an update on that, we'll talk about it. But at the moment, we don't really know what it was. But the Wigan Athletic Supporters Club, they did release a statement on March 19th, which is the Sunday. And basically, just to quickly run through what was said in the statement, they've said that they've been closely watching what has been going on. They've been in contact with the owners to relay their feelings, and they've received assurances that the problems will be addressed and resolved quickly. They then went on to say that they're going to continue to monitor it, and they've requested a full update from the owners and the board as soon as possible with answers to questions that have been set out. So I think I was quite happy with the timing of the statement that went out. I don't think they were really pressurised or pushed into doing anything, and I'm glad that they took the time to let the Watford game get out of the way put the statement out. Obviously, it's the start of the international break, so there's going to be a lot happening. We know that Maloney and uh, Mal Brannigan are going to come back with some answers, or we hope they do anyway. So, no, I think the timing was good. Obviously, we know Lisa Nandy is also quite vocal about it. And regardless of thoughts and opinions on the last administration and you know some promises that she made that never really came through, I think it's really good to have her on board. And knowing that all these people, so the supporters club, Lisa Nandy, obviously as fans and supporters as well, Everybody just wants to be supporting the club, regardless of who the owners are and the situation that they're causing us. So we're just going to have to wait, be a little bit patient, but you know, I'm, I'm positive that we're going to get a good outcome here. But a bit of positive news as well that came out before the Watford game regarding our players. We've had seven Wigan Athletic players called up for international duty. Telawazgaard is going with Norway under-20s. Stephen Corker with Sierra Leone. Will Keane, James McLean and on loan Jamie McGrath, who's at Dundee United. They're all going with the Republic of Ireland, Ryan Nyambe with Namibia, and Daniel Sanani is going out with Luxembourg. We also had an under-21 go out on loan this week. Joe Adams has joined Warrington Rylands FC. They play in the non-league Premier Northern. They sit 12th at the moment, and they played Geisley FC, which is where Josh Stones came from, and they beat them 2-1 on the weekend. And Warrington Rylands said that Joe Adams played very well in that game, so... That's a bit of good news as well. Hopefully, when he comes back to our under-21, his development is continuing strongly. But I think that's about everything cleared up with the wage issue, our international players, and the loans. So then the only thing that's left to talk about now is the 1-1 draw with Watford. 
Sean Maloney made one change from the midweek draw with Coventry City. That was Tom Naylor coming in to replace Ashley Fletcher, who can't play because his parent club is Watford in the loan deal. We went with Ben Amos in goal, Captain Tendai Dariqua at right wing back, Charlie Hughes, Stephen Corker, Ryan Nyambi as centre back, with James McLean as the left wing back. And in the middle, it was Max Power, Tom Naylor, and Chris Teehee, with Sanani and Keane up top. On the bench, we had Jamie Jones, Omar Rakik, Tom Pierce, Tello Asgard, Charlie Wyke, Callum Lang, and Josh McGuinness. Overall, I was quite happy with that starting lineup. I was intrigued to see how the midfield three was going to work, because Sean Maloney said that Chris Teehee was going to play a bit of a different role. And obviously, when we saw that set up, he was a bit more advanced than we had seen him before. He's obviously very good with the ball, great ball carrier, so I was excited to see that. And I think Tom Naylor, he's always going to put his body on the line. He's always going to give everything he's got. And I think that he's a great player to be in that midfield to disrupt the play. I thought we started the game very well, but obviously losing Charlie Hughes after 10 minutes with an injury looked like his ankle. I think Tommy Gore said that it looked like his head, but it was definitely his ankle that he got hit on. Not sure if it was Chris Teehee who stood on him or a Watford player that he was marking in the box because it came from a corner routine. Anyway, Charlie Hughes went down, was down for a long time, and Omar Rakik ended up having to come on in place of him. I was interested to see that Omar Rakik stayed out as that right centre-back, with Ryan Naomi as the left centre-back. Obviously, we know traditionally that Rakik would play that left centre-back role, and I thought Naomi could tuck in behind Tendai Dariqua, but Maloney said that that's not the case. Stephen Corker was in the middle of the two of them, and I thought Rakik held himself very well on that right-hand side. I thought also it was quite clear early on that Watford's defence looked really in control. Will Keane and Dan Alcinani were trying, but... You know, a couple of forced errors was all that Watford were making. They just looked really happy to play the ball around. Obviously, putting three in the midfield, you lose a person up top. And it to me, that was screaming out in the first half that we were missing a presence of like a Charlie White, Josh McGuinness or Callum Lang just to come on and cause them problems. At about 25 minutes in, the referee was getting really frustrated with the Wigan Athletic team, saying that the, basically the pace of the game wasn't what he wanted taking a little bit of time with goal kicks and throw-ins and free kicks. So Tendai Dariqua received a bit of an airfall, as did Max Power just before that. And Power ended up getting booked actually two minutes after the referee said that, because at the other end, Will Keane was trying to break forward, and he was clearly tripped. But the referee waved it on, and Max Power's protest ended up getting him in the book. A couple of minutes later as well, we're trying to defend a corner routine. Omar Akik was shown a yellow card for a bit of a scuffle in the box. Ref was just completely losing patience, and... I thought, you know, booking our players early on, especially Omar Akiku, who's just come back from a suspension, I thought we were going to really have our backs up against the wall with this ref. But Watford definitely turned the pressure up just before the half-time whistle, and I was really hoping that we could just hang on, get in there at nil-nil. But Keenan Davis missed an absolute sitter. The ball came across. He had a free header in the box. Obviously, it was offside because it was lucky that it was actually offside. Horrendous miss. I don't know how you miss from there. But then a couple of minutes later, again, it looked a bit offside, but, you know, he got the run on Stephen Corker. Ended up dragging the ball back, you know, sent Ran Nyambe and, and Stephen Corker still running to the byline. Cut it back. I thought it was a great finish. And he scored his sixth goal of the season, which is his highest tally in his career. I think he only did five at Nottingham Forest. So it, he's not really in favour by Watford fans, but, you know, I think he's, he's doing pretty well. And at the halftime whistle, Sean Maloney made his first change. He brought on Callum Lang for Stephen Corker. Apparently it was just a tactical reason. Stephen Corker wasn't injured, but obviously I said before we were lacking a bit of presence up top. Sean Maloney went and put Callum Lang on just to try and disrupt that Watford defence a bit. And within six minutes, we're level. Callum Lang picked up the ball on the left-hand side of our box, cut it back, and he could see that James McLean and Daniel Sanani were in the middle. Picked out James McLean, and what a header. A complete bullet header. You were never really going to stop that. And thankfully, the header was much, much better than his celebration. It reminded me of Joe Williams. I don't know if anyone remembers that celebration, where he's trying to run, do a knee slide, and 
his knee gets stuck in the ground, but it reminded me of that. But what a goal to get it back in. Obviously, the Irishman on St. Paddy's Day weekend. But one of the main worries I had when that went in is that we still haven't scored two goals in a game since we beat Blackpool 2-1 at the DW in the final game before the World Cup. That was on November the 12th. And we had about 35 minutes there to try and really go and push for that second. Callum Lang was making a huge difference. And I was glad to see Sean Maloney trying to keep the pressure on with a couple of substitutions. Josh McGuinness came on for Will Keane at 71 minutes and Thelo Asgard came on for Chris Teehee at 75. So it was clear that he was trying to go off for the winner. Tendai Dariqua picked up a yellow card. It looked for a bit of time wasted. And I think he had a short free kick, let it off for Max Power and the ref didn't like that. So, so booked him. And the ref also ended up booking Chris Wilder for an argument on the touchline with Sean Maloney now. Sean Maloney obviously backed up by Graham Barrow. <laughs> They're not really a duo that I would ever try and argue with. Chris Wilder thought he could, but... He ended up in the book for that. I think he was just getting frustrated with us and, you know, obviously let his uh, frustrations boil over on the touchline. But the game ended 1-1 and to know that the plays still haven't been paid and everything that's going on behind the scenes, obviously it still brought heart and dedication to it and I thought they put on a brilliant performance and it just shows that we are not going down without a fight. Sean Maloney said that he's all in. Clearly the plays are all in. You know, even in the video when they arrived at Vicarage Road, they're all smiling, they're all happy. So there's definitely a good mentality in this group. And I asked on Twitter, I said, who is your player of the match for the day? It was quite close between Tom Naylor and James McLean, but it was the goal scorer who took it with 35.8% of the votes. Chris T, he was also high up there and obviously Callum Lang, because I think he came on and changed the game. So it was a really good performance. I enjoyed that one. And Sean Maloney said in his post-match press conference that when you put into context what's happened this week, I'm so incredibly impressed and so incredibly proud to be involved with this team. And I think he just backs up what all the supporters are thinking. It's been a very difficult season for them on and off the field, but just to show this fight that they're all putting and the togetherness, which we've seen in squads in the past, but this one, again, does seem to be a special one. So I think they all fully deserve this international break. Obviously, we're going to have players going out on duty. Some players are going to be staying behind and getting ready for the QPR game. And it's going to be one hell of a closing of the season. Even the club doctor, Jonathan Tobin, he put on Twitter that I wanted to win that so badly. The whole bench did. We were on our feet like it was a cup semi-final. Not just for me or the staff, not for the fans this time either, although they were amazing. I just want the players to have the win they deserve so much. The squad are immense. But the draw does keep us bottom of the Skybet Championship with 34 points from 38 games with three draws in the last five games. And the other results from around the Championship, we had Millwall lost to Huddersfield 1-0, which obviously is a real good boost for Huddersfield. Blackpool ended up losing 4-1 to Coventry. Middlesbrough beat Preston 4-0 as they go and try and get the second place in the Skybet Championship. Reading won, Hull City won, Sunderland won, Luton Town won, QPR lost to Birmingham 1-0, Rotherham and Cardiff was postponed but Cardiff were 1-0 up at the time so I know the EFL are investigating that just to see what they need to do with it but that was a very strange one. I think they even had the sprinklers on at half time even though the, the pitch was flooding so very very strange situation. Stoke nil, Norwich nil, and then Swansea have just beaten Bristol City by two goals to nil. It is all happening off the field as well. I know Huddersfield, the, the virgin on administration, but I'm not sure how that kind of works. Maybe if they go into it, they get the minus 12 points deduction. So I don't know if that's going to be put in this season or next. I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And there's also talk that Reddin are about to receive a six point deduction that could be going in this week. That would take them from 45 points down to 39. We're obviously on 34 right now, probably going to get on to 31 at some point, but we do play Reading on the second to last game of the season. So I've said it before and I'll keep saying it again. You know, it's not over till it's over. We never do things easy, but you know, there's eight games left. We come back after the break, we play QPR. Then we go and play Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. I know they've got an FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City around that date. So that's going to be an interesting one to see what kind of squad they put out. I assume they're going to put two strong sides out. Then we play Swansea at the DW. And obviously, as we know from earlier in this season, we were 2-0 up against them and then we ended up throwing it away. So that's a game that you know we may be able to win. But then we play Blackpool at Bloomfield Road. We really need to win that one. 
Then we play Stoke City, Millwall, Reading and Rotherham. So of our last eight games, six of those are in the bottom half of the table and four of them are in the bottom eight. So it's going to make for a very exciting end to this season. But the main thing is it isn't over until it's over. It's still mathematically possible whilst still a massive uphill battle. And if the players can play like that, what we did against Coventry and what we did against Watford, if they can play like that for the rest of the season, you know, we are still in with a chance. But we're now heading to the international break. So obviously there's no football until April the 1st. We're probably going to have a statement of some kind coming out in the next week or so or the next couple of weeks. So obviously, as and when that comes out, we'll probably do another podcast because I want to talk about the international break as well, seeing how our players are getting on. And hopefully we can talk about a bit of positive news as well. But until the next episode, you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Central Wigan. Follow our Substack, which is centralwigan.substack.com. Or you can even subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast. I'm not really too sure where it even gets distributed anymore. But until then, up the ticks.